Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Distilled, a spirited podcast. Hello and welcome to Distilled, the podcast with more spirit than a haunted house. Sorry, I can't really say that, can I? That's rubbish. It's about whiskey, okay? I'm your host, Julie Christie, and today we're going to be casting our eye across the Atlantic in appreciation of America's greatest achievement, bourbon. While in this series we're mostly focused on Irish whisky and its incredible growth over the past few years, there are plenty of reasons to step away from that and think about bourbon for a while. It's hard to believe it now, but even a few years ago there was very little bourbon or American whisky coming into Ireland. Sure, there was plenty of Jack Daniels, Jim Beam and on occasion Wild Turkey, but considering there are around 1,400 bourbon distilleries in operation, we're obviously missing something. In recent years, this has started to change as we're seeing American brands that would have seemed fairly obscure as little as five years ago filling up back bars around the country. One of the brands making a big impact is Buffalo Trace, which from an Irish perspective seems like a scrappy newcomer to the market, but it's actually a Kentucky distillery with over 200 years of history behind it. We've gone from a situation where asking for Buffalo Trace five years ago would have led to blank stares to having it stocked in the major supermarkets. The Buffalo Trace family also includes fantastic American whiskies like Eagle Rare, Stag Jr, Sazerac Rye and the legendary Pappy Van Winkle. To tell us more, here's George Roberts, country manager of High Spirits. George, thank you for joining me on Distills. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Delighted to be here. So I think what we'll do to begin with is if you could just tell us a little bit about your background, how you kind of started off in the whiskey industry. Have you always been with High Spirits or other brands? Sure. Um, So I joined the alcohol industry. I took a job in Diageo about 10 years ago and started off as a sales rep there. Uh, worked for Diageo for a number of years and worked my way up to the ranks and was involved in the setup of their uh, reserve business here in Ireland, which was around prestige and premium spirits. Okay. And that was around the time when gin was really starting to explode in Ireland. People were taking a bit more of a discerning look at spirits and looking for a bit more quality and that kind of thing. So it was a very interesting, very exciting time to be involved in the alcohol industry. Um, and then one day, as happens, the phone rang and an American voice said, uh, hi, we're calling from Sazerac. We'd be interested in having a conversation with you and uh, here we are uh, three years later I've helped to set up Sazerac's business in Ireland uh, we're trading as High Spirits Ireland uh, we have a sister company in the UK right? and uh, we have gone from strength to strength ever since and it's been very very exciting for us bourbon has really started to take a foothold now in the Irish market in the last two years American whiskey as a category is actually now bigger than scotch in Ireland which was a huge milestone wow, for us that, yeah. yeah and uh, really a very exciting time and Ireland's being 
being a, a largely whiskey-based market, there's a huge resurgence in whiskey consumption in Ireland at the moment. We have more distilleries open than we've had in, in a long time, probably more than a century. So we're really, as consumers, turning our focus back to whiskey, but we're also broadening our horizons. We're very much global citizens in Ireland. We do a lot of travel. We have a lot of good visa arrangements with the United States. So uh, we have a lot of the J1ers going over there Sounds and, and yeah. enjoy, enjoying some good American whiskey. And then they look for that when they come back. So uh, very good for us with the uh, Buffalo Trace Distillery brands as well. We're looking to really uh, raise the game on bourbon in Ireland. And what we have to do is really educate consumers, get them to try it, understand the differences. And uh, and hopefully we'll go from strength to strength from there. Oh, fantastic. So it's fair to say uh, business is booming at the moment. Uh, things are going very well. Yeah. We're very happy with how it's going. Uh, a, a lot more work to do, though. Um, and I'm right in saying, George, you are country manager for High Spirits Ireland. That's correct, that would be yes. correct. So could you tell us a little bit more about your role on a day-to-day basis? Would you be, um, you know, how many of a team you would have under you? Would you be going round different um, on the on-trade or off-trade or a little bit more about that? Sure. So uh, we... Sorry, to, to start with my role as country manager, I head up the organisation in Ireland, so uh, I report directly into Sazerac in the United States and I'm responsible for all the day-to-day operations of our Ireland business. Uh, that includes largely a sales and marketing function in Ireland. Uh, okay. We're supported with back office things from our, our sister company in the UK. Uh, really, the premise on which I built the Ireland business was about maximising uptime on selling. So ensuring that we can get out, get in front of consumers, get in front of retailers, bartenders, bar owners and really show them that we have a fantastic portfolio and well worth doing business with if you like. So day to day um, personally I would be responsible for helping to coach and mentor the team, uh, making sure the smooth running of the operation. Yes. Uh, I'm also personally accountable for our relationship with all uh, of the major retailers in Ireland as well so I deal with a lot of the supermarkets and again uh, they've been fantastically supportive with us and our mission on bourbon particularly on our Buffalo Trace distillery brands to help with consumer education to help us with distribution and help to grow our business. Uh, We have a total team of 16. Right. And the majority of those, so 13 of the 16 are focused on sales. And the majority of those, uh, most of those would spend most of their time in the on-trade. So that is our closest touch point to our consumers and where we do most of our recruitment. So they will go in and arrange education, training, support, help with signature serves, cocktail menus, help with consumer events. Uh, As you know, last week, obviously, was Independence Day, was the 4th of July. Yeah, thank Uh, you for you. Absolutely, indeed. And uh, I think we reciprocate very well in Ireland. They do a very good job on St. Patrick's Day in the United States. And I think we're starting to do a really good job here in Ireland. Uh, I know I've spent uh, the 4th of July in Kerry. I've spent it in Dublin. And I know there's an actual parade through the streets of Killarney with Uncle Sam and the Statue of Liberty. (laughs) So we're we're starting to really... uh, reciprocate the celebration for our national day. So we were uh, obviously working with yourselves in the Celtic Whiskey Shop. We had a superb event last week in Dublin where we sampled, we started with Buffalo Trace and worked our way up through the Pappy Van Winkle bourbon range. So really some of those top shelf, really rare bourbons we're delighted to to host an event and do a bit yeah. of a tasting I know, on that and last we're, week. I uh, know, delighted to work with you so closely <laughs> on that. I know um, you're a difficult man to get hold of when it comes to the 4th of July. I'm sure you'll be getting offers from, from all parts of Ireland that's, to come and do tasting. That's tasting's usually in my there. diary yeah. about six months <laughs> out it's becoming a, st- a standing fixture every um, year now yeah and um, for sure definitely the the Pappy Van Winkle tasting I mean it sold out in about 24 hours from us and and tickets are you know are priced at, at 50 euros so it's a, a considerable investment but for the whiskies you get to try it's a, it's a truly once in a lifetime opportunity it's fantastic yeah yeah 
And to touch back a little bit, you mentioned, you know, obviously the growth of Irish whiskey is having quite a, a positive effect on the, the Sazerac brands. Um, do you expect this obviously to continue? Have you kind of experienced any kind of negativity with people more focusing on Irish whiskey or do you believe bourbon still very much has a place um, in Ireland? My ambition for bourbon is that it becomes part of everybody's repertoire. So we're Irish people in Ireland and we love Irish whiskey, of course. Yes. But like I said earlier on, we are broadening our horizons. We're looking to whiskey, different whiskey producing countries such as Japan, Canada, the United States. Obviously, Scotland has a uh, Scotch whiskey has a very good foothold here in Ireland as well. Um, so what we want to do is introduce people to bourbon, make sure they understand the differences in it. Um, understand the quality of it as well because there are some very, very strict rules around production of bourbon, even more so than Scotch or Irish. And make sure that people understand what they're drinking is a really quality product and, as I said, have it in their repertoire so that they give bourbon consideration and would consider drinking it when they're out of an evening or maybe when they're at home of an evening as well. I mean, I definitely believe that from a personal point of view. I think, you know, when people get into to drinking whiskey, their palate starts to get a bit more complex and it's certainly open up to trying you know, the likes of bourbon, scotch, Japanese whiskey. So definitely there is a, a big market for it there. And in particular, um, I don't know if our listeners are aware, but Buffalo Trace would head up some of the, the premium uh, bourbons, for example, the, the Van Winkle Lane uh, range, the antique collection. And would you say that the demand has kind of increased for that over in Ireland? Is there a lot more people aware about the rarity and the collectability of these of these brands? I believe so. And when we do events like we did with yourselves last week, there's always a queue of consumers coming up to me after the event asking, how can I get my hands on some of the antique collection or one of the, a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle? And it's something that has been really happening for a number of years. These are usually quite long aged liquids so there's usually very little of them thanks to the angels taking their share so they're automatically rare as soon as they come out of the barrel now if you can imagine in the United States they have over 300 million people uh, a lot of them bourbon lovers so they absolutely clamour to get their hands on, on Pappy we do get a small allocation in Ireland usually less than about 20 bottles of each which has to last us for the year and of course we have to support different bars and then try and get it to consumers as well so um, the demand is certainly increasing because the awareness is increasing and like I said bourbon is becoming more and more part of people's repertoire. They're understanding the category, they're understanding the whiskey, and they're understanding the range of whiskey as well from your mainstream entry level right up to those, uh, you know, three, four hundred euro bottles of bourbon as well that are available. For any of our listeners interesting, we're actually, the Celtic Whiskey Shop are working quite closely with High Spirits Ireland to run a Pappy Lottery. Um, so if you are wanting to get hold of a bottle, that's probably the best way, am I right in saying, George, to get hold of one in Ireland at the moment? I think it's the best way to get your hands on one at what I would call a fair price. Uh, fair. There's obviously, there's a market out there, uh, a second-hand market, um, where unfortunately the price of these bottles gets hugely out of control and uh, far beyond the prices that we would like to see them change hands for. So you guys in the Celtic Whiskey Shop have obviously uh, been very helpful with us in doing the Pappy Lottery. And that really gives consumers the opportunity to get their hands on a bottle at a fair price which is which is fantastic so for anybody interested in entering um, we run our pappy lottery on a monthly basis um, where you have to buy one of the buffalo trace brands for example buffalo trace eagle rare and so on and that will enter your name into the pappy lottery um, where we will pick a winner once a month and you'll be entered to purchase a bottle of Van Winkle 12. Uh, next month, I believe it's uh, Pappy Van Winkle 15-year-old and so on. 
So for some of our listeners who might not be hugely familiar with bourbon, mm. could you tell us a little bit about you know, what makes bourbon bourbon, what regulations? You mentioned that they're quite strict in the US. If you could tell us a little bit more about that. Please. Certainly, yeah. So um, if we, I suppose, take a trip back in time to the history of the United States, uh, a lot of the population of the United States are an immigrant population. Uh, in the 18th and 19th century, a lot of them would have come from, from your homeland in Scotland, from mine in Ireland, uh, Belgium, France, Germany, and so on. And a lot of brewers and distillers would have come to the United States and brought their skills with them and started to apply their trade, if you like, in the, the new Americas at that point. Um, the whiskey was uh, quite rough at that stage. It was made from all different types of things. It was essentially a, a, new, a new grain spirit. And over time, they wanted to work the, the, I suppose, the founding fathers of bourbon in the US wanted to work on the quality challenge that they were having because the quality was very mixed. So over the last couple of centuries, it's actually federal, in, uh, it's been ingrained into federal law, the rules of what you can and cannot call a bourbon. So the first thing to look at is the mash bill. So it's the grain that any bourbon distiller uses to make their end product. That must have a majority of corn in the mash. So the mash is what we use to obviously start the fermentation process and extract the yes. alcohol, as your listeners will know. Um, so the, the recipe for that mash must have a majority of corn. Now, anybody who's eaten corn will know it's quite a sweet crop. So that's why bourbon tends to have a slightly sweeter signature note in the end products. So that corn, that sugary note follows right the way through to the aged product. A lot of people think that bourbon must be made in Kentucky, which is actually incorrect. Bourbon must be made in the United States. So there's no such thing as an Irish, Scotch or Canadian bourbon. It can be made anywhere in the 50 United States. Um, The reason that the majority of bourbon production actually comes out of Kentucky is because of the naturally occurring water in Kentucky. There's a fantastic limestone table. It's very nutrient and mineral rich and is very, very good for distilling. Uh, So that's the reason why a lot of the bourbon distilling happens actually in the state of Kentucky. Uh, One of the other major rules as well, and it's a major uh, signature of quality with bourbon, is that we're not allowed in any way to put any additives, preservatives, flavourings or colourings into the whisky. So everything that you see in your glass comes purely from the barrel. So when we run our stills, the liquid that comes off the still is crystal clear like a glass of water. Uh, After that, the only influence we're allowed to have on the flavour and the nose and the look of the liquid is what we do with the barrels. And the other major rule around bourbon production is that we have to use brand new American barrels. Um, People ask, why is that? If you think about a tea bag, which you make a cup of tea, you'll make your cup of tea and you throw the bag in the bin. You don't give it on to somebody else because it won't have the same flavours and it won't, you won't get exactly, the same end yeah. product. So we believe uh, and uh, we have done for centuries that a brand new barrel, we toast or char the inside of the barrel. That helps to increase and break open the working surface of it. And in Buffalo Trace, if you open up one of our barrels there, it really looks like crocodile skin. It's been charred that much. So we have a huge working surface that releases all the nice toasted resins and tannins and everything that are in the barrel. And that's the only way that we're actually allowed to flavour, colour or put an aroma into our whisky. Mm -hmm. So it's a very, very pure product. Uh, They're very, very strict laws and they're federally regulated. They're not just state laws, they're actually federal laws across the United States. So that ensures that anybody who wants to call their product a bourbon really has to raise it to a very, very high standard. Usually as well, the minimum ageing on bourbon would be about two years. Yes. 
Uh, the reason that's different to Ireland, where it's three years, is because of the temperature range, particularly in Kentucky. It can get to, and I'm going to talk in Celsius here rather than Fahrenheit for any of our American listeners. Uh, so typically in the winter, it can get down to minus 15, sometimes minus 20. And in the summer, right now in July, it's probably touching high 30s and uh, some days into 40s. So there's a colossal temperature range in Kentucky, which is really good for ageing whiskey, because if you can imagine the expansion and contraction of that barrel, it's like a set of lungs and it helps to really circulate the whiskey in the barrel and extract every last bit of flavour and aroma that we can out of it. Yeah, well, certainly it's a, it's a double-edged sword in the sense that, you know, mature, maturation accelerates, but then the angels, you know, have a quicker share, shall we say. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, um, we, we've been we've been distilling at Buffalo Trace on that site for over 200 years, so they have a lot of playbooks in the archives there and uh, and they, they know what they're about, so they know when it's, when it's done just about right and, and ready to go to the bottle. Um, and in terms of, you know, for listeners who maybe have not tried a lot of bourbon, how would you, I mean, in your opinion, the palate, the flavour profiles, how would they really different, differ to Irish whiskey in general? I know it's obviously difficult to stereotypical, stereotypical, stereotypicalize can't speak today, um, the bourbon in that sense. So with the flavour profiles, what would you say is the key difference? Okay, so for me, when somebody asks me, first of all, when we're assessing a whiskey, we look at it. Okay, we look at it in the glass. Uh, with bourbon, you're going to see a lot of what the barrel has done. So you see some very uh, beautiful, dark, dark, rich browns, golden hues, tobacco type colours. Um, on the nose, you would typically get that sweeter signature note, which is from carried through from the corn all the way through. Um, toffee and caramel and for anybody who has uh, if their their mums or dads ever baked a Christmas cake or a fruit cake at home uh, if you ever smell the bowl or that that lovely toasted fruit smell that you know comes out of the, the, the oven I know it's nearly lunchtime yeah. um, that's that's a very typical smell that you would get from bourbon those beautiful sugary caramelly toffee, toffee type aromas as well and the great thing about bourbon Julie is a lot of those carry through onto the palate as well um, and again all of that flavour is coming out of the barrel but you're getting typical typically toasted caramel toasted nuts uh, nice roasted vanillas those kind of flavours as well uh, and obviously you do the longer it is spent in the barrel you start to get those piney notes you start to taste the wood of the barrel as well particularly in the, the likes of Pappy 20 or Pappy 23 that's when you really feel that barrel kick in even on the nose you start to get those really fresh pine notes those kind of um, fresh forest kind of uh, notes to it as well um, so a wonderful range of aromas and flavours in it and then of course with rye uh, rye is where we change the mash bill so we change the grain and it's usually 90% plus rye would go into the grinder for that you're getting a much spicier note as well so much more peppery kind of mouthfeel how that differs to the likes of Irish or Scotch uh, if we're talking about a Scotch single malt obviously you're getting those very nice peaty aromas from it as well you don't typically get those out of bourbon yeah. uh, same for Irish single malts as well if they're peated uh, or if they're, they're straight single malts they would tend to have sweeter and then obviously with pot steel you're getting a spicier note as well so once you know your bourbon and you know your American category you can actually pick if you like a pot, an Irish pot still you'd probably be more pick into the similarities exactly, there, yeah. exactly you'd probably be looking for a rye if you like something a little sweeter or the likes of a blended Irish whiskey you'd probably go for a straight bourbon so we touched on earlier, um, you were saying obviously 
the bourbon, the biggest market would be the, the US for that. Is there any other markets on a, an international scale which would be very, very big for bourbon? Uh, one of the fastest growing markets, uh, the two together, would be the UK and Ireland, uh, where distribution is increasing on a daily basis and is uh, as is consumption. Uh, there's a real trend, if you look at London and Dublin, a real trend in cocktail bars at the moment and a real resurgence of those prohibition era cocktails. So the likes of your old fashions, whiskey sours, the like great cocktails like Boulevardiers and so on, you're starting to see these come on more and more on menus. And not just on the very best cocktail bars that are out there on the streets of Dublin, but also in your local bars as well. They're starting to understand what an old-fashioned is. Absolutely, absolutely. And the bartenders are very keen to really make a career out of bartending now. It's not just a job where you're pulling pints and pouring spirits. They're looking to make a real craft out of it, which is fantastic. It certainly has got a lot more creative, I find, um, in recent years. And obviously with the, the tales of the cocktails um, starting next week, which is the, the 15th of July, I believe. That's correct, in New Orleans. Um, yeah. High Spirits Ireland, you always kind of manage to, to take a little trip over there. Um, what would you say from a personal point of view would be your cocktail recommendation if I said to you you know we're making a cocktail with bourbon what would you recommend me to make my hands down favourite everyday bourbon cocktail would be an old fashioned and an old fashioned uh, came from Louisville in Kentucky uh, originally and it's it's very straightforward it's just a sugar sugar cube washed down with a little bit of water uh, some bitters in on top of it and then a good pour of bourbon stir it over ice and then strain it into your favourite whiskey glass it's dead straightforward to make it takes just a couple of minutes it's very easy to make a very good one as well and you don't need a lot of ingredients so particularly if you're making them at home it's very very easy you know you've had a long week Friday evening you've had your bite of dinner you're looking for a nice digestive cocktail uh, my go-to is always a really nice bourbon old-fashioned you can't be a classic absolutely that's what we'll say hard to beat um, and obviously we're very excited you guys are coming to Whiskey Live Dublin this year Yes, very much looking forward um, to it again. You've become quite the kind of permanent fixture at Whiskey Live. Um, certainly I know from different consumers, the, the antique collection and the Pappy Van Winkle masterclasses are always a highlight. Um, but for some of our customers that aren't aware, um, Sazerac actually distributes Paddy as well. So they will also be at Whiskey Live Dublin. Can you tell us anything you have in store? Any surprises that we can expect to sure, see? Sure, sure. Yeah, so as you, as you said, we, uh, we purchased Paddy Whiskey in 2016. And uh, we're working very hard to bring Paddy to the fore of Irish whiskey. We're very excited to have the brand. Uh, and our colleagues in the United States are doing some great work over there as well. So uh, Paddy's really going from strength to strength. We're very happy with how it's performing for us. Uh, a critical part of that has been reintroducing consumers, particularly younger consumers, to, to Paddy. So Paddy was, I know my father drank it, my, my mother drinks it. Yes. Um, but we wanted to make it as much of a lad brand as a dad brand, if you like. So we wanted to come up with some cool new serves and some cool new ideas around that and really just have those younger consumers, the sort of 20 to 30 year olds understand the proposition of Paddy understand how palatable it is uh, and how accessible the liquid is so um, that's really what we've been working on with Paddy integral to part of that is getting in front of consumers and Whiskey Live has been a fantastic platform for us to do that Uh, so last year we what we did on the, the paddy stand as we called it was we were giving masterclasses on how to make a great paddy Irish coffee and uh, we had some of our uh, some of our sales team there doing little mini masterclasses uh, we're also doing some signature services as well and also doing obviously some tasting so people could understand the three whiskies that make the blend of paddy so from malt grain and pot still so they could understand and identify each element uh, so hopefully a little bit more of that this year and we have a little surprise up our sleeve as well which is one of our new big paddy assets so keep an eye out for that and look forward you're to seeing everybody there you're going to have to tell us a little bit more about that George I'm sorry oh, I'm not, right 
Okay. Well, we've um, one thing we wanted to do was really dial, dial up our engagement around events and. Uh, very much small events and also large events. So what we've done is we have invested in a paddy wagon and a paddy wagon is our little, we haven't come up with a name for it yet so we'll hopefully get a name by the end of Whiskey Live. We might have a little competition around that. But this is a little uh, very mobile vehicle where we can come into beer gardens, we can go to music festivals, we can go to events. Uh, we had uh, brought it to the Stony Batter Festival a couple of weeks ago and uh, we had a number of even celebrities wanted to have their photo taken with it. So we're really hoping this little guy will take on his own personality. <laughs> uh, but basically we'll be there uh, with our paddy wagon uh, turning out more Irish coffees and uh, we're also looking to do some tweaks on Irish coffees as well. So there'll be some new exciting recipes coming down the line on those as well. So we can educate consumers and uh, obviously uh, educate some bartenders on those as well. And in terms of the Buffalo Trace Distillery presence at Whiskey Live. Um, obviously, you guys will have a stand, yes. um, Buffalo Trace stand there this year. Um, can we expect some old-fashioned cocktails on there as well, or? What we, yeah, I, th- I think we can. Uh, I think we can get some batch, uh, batch old fashions, some Buffalo Trace old fashions going on the stand as well. We can offer a, f- a few little pours of that. Um, what I'm particularly interested in seeing out of Whiskey Live this year is that people understand the range of bourbon that we do. So obviously, we'll be hosting masterclasses around the uh, the the uh, Pappy Van Winkle range around the antique collection but I'm uh, also looking to do a Bourbon 101 where we come in and talk a little bit more in depth about the basics of bourbon so that because People who come to Whiskey Live will have a range of knowledge and some that's will some will really geek out on the antique collection and Pappy and that's great. Others and a lot of them come up to the stand saying, what is bourbon? I've never tried it. I've heard of it. Um, don't really understand what the liquid is, how it's different to Irish whiskey and so on. So I want to really help those people to understand the basics of bourbon and then they can broaden their repertoire and hopefully next year they'll be buying tickets for the antique collection and yeah. the Pappy events and as well. And certainly that's what's great about the, the Buffalo Distillery is that, you know, the range that you have to work through um, is really quite considerable. Um, absolutely phenomenal range and it was one of the things that really attracted me to working for Sazerac as well was when sat down did a lot of homework on the company and just looked at just what a powerhouse Buffalo Trace is uh, that was really that was really the cherry on the cake and uh, and off I went to work for Sazerac but they've uh, they've an amazing range um, as I said the distillery has been working there for 200 years it's an incredibly innovative place they were the first to use um, steam heated warehousing in order to keep the maturation going for longer uh, really innovative around barrel aging as well and some of our kind of founding fathers were instrumental in having that ingrained into federal law to make sure that all bourbon was barrel aged in order to release those beautiful flavours and the, the look of the whiskey and um, so it's a very very exciting place it's a wonderful place to visit as well so any of your listeners if you're ever in the United States uh, if you're in the Kentucky area please swing by uh, Buffalo Trace uh, the distillery is in Frankfurt it's free and all of our tours are free and I believe we're one of the, the few to do that uh, essentially the way we see it is that we're just a of people take the time to come and visit us so we love to bring them in show them the still house show them some of the historic warehouses you get to meet some real characters there <laughs> as well and uh, hear all the stories and we've even got a ghost tour that you can do in the evening as oh, well course, if you're brave yeah. enough only yeah. in Kentucky absolutely yeah. <laughs> absolutely yeah and would that be open on a daily basis George that's, is that quite accessible that's open, that's open every day I think Christmas day is the only day it's closed in the year oh, sure well you'd be yeah. sipping on your your Buffalo Trace instead. Absolutely, sitting at home enjoying it, yeah. Um, well, that's fantastic, George. Thank you so much for coming in today. It's been great to learn a little bit more about the, the Buffalo Trace distillery um, and also what you're bringing to Whiskey Live. I know I certainly can't wait to, to pop in in a masterclass or two. Um, so have a great day and thank you very much. Thanks very much indeed. Indeed. 
So we thought it might be a good time to introduce your host, Julie Christie. So as you can tell, I'm not Irish, I'm Scottish. Uh, controversial, I know. Um, I'm from a farm near Stirling, so right in the middle of Edinburgh and Glasgow. And I studied business management with German at Edinburgh Napier University for four years. Uh, lived in Germany in Munich for a year um, to do my studies and then started in the whiskey industry. When I was a couple of months before my 18th birthday, the local distillery was opening up a visitor centre. So prior to that, you always had to make tours by appointment. And they were looking to hire some tour guides. So I started working there um, on my 18th birthday, conveniently right as it opened, uh, working as a tour guide for a distillery called Deanson Distillery near Stirling. Um, I worked there for about four years. Um was quite involved in the Fish Isle Bonnehaven Whiskey Festival for a year. Um, also, yeah, that's that basically. <laughs> Um, and just kind of starting from 18, kind of growing to love whiskey. Start them young, as they say. I always had an interest of learning more about world whiskies. Um, regards to preference, if you're going to quiz me, that always usually comes up. It really depends on the mood. You might say that's a cop out, but it really does. If you speak to a lot of um, whiskey specialists and brand ambassadors, I'm sure they'd all say the same. Um, but basically an opportunity came up to work with Celtic Whiskey. So when I was a tour guide at Deanston Distillery, um, Ali Alpine, the managing director and a couple of staff members, along with some customers, they organise a trip to Scotland every year um, to go to maybe six or seven different distilleries. And they came to Deanston Distillery. I previously joked with my colleague earlier that day that, you know, oh, I'll take them round, like, you know, just in case they offer me a job. And so I took them on a shortened tour. They just wanted to see, like, the still house and the warehouse because they'd done a lot of distilleries that day. Um, had a great laugh with them all, really good time. And I mentioned that I was coming over to Dublin for a new year. So they invited me to the shop and not long after offered me a job at the Celtic Whiskey Bar in Larder in Killarney as they were just about to open that premises. Um, so I worked there as a whiskey specialist for just over a year um, but wanted to be using my degree um, working in business and marketing and an opportunity actually came up um, marketing for the shop and the bar down in Killarney as well as all the other events that we do. So obviously we look after like general marketing for the shop and for our bar down in Killarney. Um, last year in November, we also uh, began a whiskey auction site. So there was a lot of organisations setting up the run up of that. It's something we'd never done before. And we're one of two auction sites in Ireland that focus on promoting rare and old Irish whiskies, Plus world whiskies, wines, sherries and so on. I um, also look after the organisation of the Irish Whiskey Awards, which take place in October every year. Um, Whiskey Live Dublin, which takes place in November. Um, and also a new event, uh, which will be replacing Gin Experience Dublin next year, Dublin Drinks Mixer um, in April 2020. And that about wraps up for another episode of Distilled. 
Make sure to join us next time when we're heading back to Dublin to explore the Piers Lions Distillery. If you want to catch every episode, then please go and subscribe on your podcast platform of your choice. Also, make sure to follow us on our social channels at Distilled Pod on Twitter and at Distilled Podcast on Instagram for updates. Until next time, I'm Julie and this has been Distilled.